Hello. I was wondering if I might trouble you for a cup of strong black coffee and in the process engage you with an anecdote of no small amusement. Welcome to podcast. I'm your podcast. I'm Megan. Hi. <laughs> I'm John. <laughs> uh, this is what happens when I put you in charge. You criticize my intros. Welcome back that. to the Nerdyverse podcast. Yes, yar. Well, yar. Uh, Nerdyverse series. I don't Nerdyverse. know. Apparently, it's more confusing than I thought it would be. Welcome back to Sparta. Nerdyverse is a thing we do on Nerd Herder. So much nerd. Welcome to it. Welcome to Nerd Town. Welcome to Pineapple on Pizza. Nerdyverse is where we nerd out and talk about things other than Star Wars because Nerd Herder is all Star Wars all the time. So this is our break from Star (laughs) Wars because we do like other things. Yeah. And And to clarify, um, we don't like pineapple on pizza. We just like stirring the pot. I actually like, I have said this before. We literally talked about it on your episode last week where we were talking about the highest of pizza eaters and entrepreneurs. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. I um, thought you were about to say pizza and parsec. No, we couldn't talk about Team and T without talking about pizza, of course. But True. Um, no, yeah, like yeah. I, I've said, morning after pineapple pizza is the only way to enjoy it, but it is enjoyable. It's nice, yeah. mor- it's nice morning pizza. So, I mean, yeah. that, I- again, sometimes <laughs> it's just about the right way to do things. Yes, pineapple yeah. pizza itself might not be great, but have you tried it in every way possible to enjoy it? Like, it's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, you had it this way, but you had it this way. Because that could yeah. potentially change your entire life. So what you're saying is, I just need to feed you supreme pizza in a certain way for you to like it. No, well, I mean, yes, technically, <laughs> just because, I mean, it's about the toppings. like. Uh, <laughs> so and, take off the peppers, take off the mushrooms, take no, off the No, the peppers onions. are fine. The the Everything's fine but the mushrooms. But um, it's also just like they're chunky. Like they're just... <laughs> way too huge and in general i'm against large uh toppings on pizza like yes okay give me bacon don't give me like just a slice of bacon like crumble it like like come on so it's it's all about the delivery method it's important have you seen the picture i'm pretty sure it's a deep fried meme of the pizza that's just one big pepperoni on top (laughs) that's actually pretty decent because at that point it's literally a topping so but is it too much pepperoni no never so uh but anyway yes the delivery method of the nerddom this week is this podcast to somehow bring it back on topic (laughs) halo yeah uh thanks for just throwing it out there (laughs) sorry no no poise or or... listen they read the title they know what we're talking about (laughs) apparently you know what's up um well we did talk about it we announced it last week uh so yes nerdyverse is taking a dip into a very uh very deep, very big sci-fi lore yeah. universe. More so than I think a lot of people realize. Um, I love Halo, uh, the games, but also specifically the lore. I'm not a multiplayer person when it comes to Halo because I'm not a multiplayer gamer in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I play games for stories. And Halo, in and of itself as games, has significant story. Uh, and you can enjoy the games based on the story itself that's presented. What's given to you in the games is enough story for you to have motivation in the game, to p- accomplish the game, and explain the game. But there's a lot of lore 
that precedes and follows what goes on in the games mm-hmm. that really reminds you that Master Chief is not the story. And that's the most significant thing about all of this when we get into the lore. And most people will probably hate this episode and maybe all of the lore <laughs> about Halo just because it's different. This is not going to be a series of episodes where we talk about just the games or anything like that. Uh, it's, I wanted to focus specifically on story because the story is so shunned, uh, because so many people just know Halo the games. They only mm-hmm. know Master Chief. They only know humans versus aliens. Uh, And there's just a lot more in the universe of Halo uh, that has just been lovingly crafted. And I am one of the people that really, really, really enjoy all of this stuff. Uh, Again, not because I have to have it to make everything make sense, but because I, it was put in front of me and I get to choose. Um, And that's the best kind of lore, the lore that's not necessary. Like you don't have to read the books. You don't have to read the comics. You don't have to know all of this stuff. But it is there. And that's what lets you know how lovingly made this Halo universe is, is because these people made book after book, nearly 30 books, several comic series, two additional side games. So much is packed in, all with the understanding not everybody's going to read this, especially like the hardcore, hardcore gamers. Um, And, you know, and that's kind of okay. But that's why I wanted to peel back the curtain on the lore a little bit to be able to kind of just highlight the bigger story of Halo because it's one of my favorite sci-fi mythos mm-hmm. out of Star Wars. Um, just because it's so big, it's so complex, and um, there's a lot there's a lot of layers to it. Uh, and so whenever I meet someone that likes Halo, I always like to ask if they've read the books or talk or if not then talk about the books and so that's essentially what this platform is going to be for a little while and again you might hate it but my episodes are coming soon (laughs) right (laughs) uh i I think mostly this first episode is going to suck for everybody because this has nothing to do with master chief and just to give context to you know podcast in general i i've never played a halo yeah, well, I've well, played Halo. I've played Halo Three multiplayer. Mm-hmm. We built, um, we did the fort game mm-hmm. where you build a fort and you have to storm the fort. Mm-hmm. I was like ten or twelve at the time, <laughs> so I don't remember. Um, but I got stuck in Halo One in driving the warthog. <laughs> yes, you're you're notoriously bad at driving in general in games. Yeah, Justin can tell you that. Um, yeah, well, and, and that was eventually somewhere I was going to get to in terms of, like, not that you represent everyone, because, I mean, even yeah. when it comes to games, you're not that big into Halo, but when you think of Halo, what do you think of? Like, what first comes to mind? I think of MasterChef. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the thing for everybody, is Master Chief is the face of Halo. Ah, um, that's ironic. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's the Zelda, he's the, you know... <laughs> less spoken what he called him zelda oh His Link. Name is whatever Link. uh he's the one that, that does the thing he's the one that wins <laughs> he's um, the video game boy yeah no he he's the blank slate for yeah. you to relate to until you get to halo 4 which has significant story development for him that was long overdue but like he's who you experience the world through he's not meant to be complex um and that's why he's the face. He's he's you when it comes to how you experience Halo. Um, 
and arguably that's the irony of it and that's the story of it is that you know what's being experienced in the games and through a single character is minuscule amounts of the story that's been going on within that universe Mm -hmm. um you know and and that that's the thing is he's acting on what he knows in those moments in those games to accomplish those levels uh when in reality there's so much behind all of it why the halos exist you know what uh the great journey is all of these things um and so yet again being a reason why i wanted to dive into the lore and talk about that because I just think it's just unexplored, unknown, and and for those who do know it, um, maybe you like it, or or maybe you gave it a chance or anything. Um, when it comes to unknown lore of Halo, though, th- what we'll talk about here, because I'm going in a chronological order, uh, again, this is why I think most people are going to hate this episode, is because this is the m- most disconnected from anything Halo ever. Yeah, buckle in, boys and girls, Halo, and friends. Yes, Halo is all about marines versus aliens it's about space marines versus aliens starship troopers uh colonial marines meets you know just bad alien dudes mm-hmm. um that's the general plot of of most halo and um the the origins of the universe of halo have nothing to do with that uh there's a lot that predates what eventually happens in the games and what we most experience uh, so much so that it's literally billions of years before the, any of the games start. And billions of years. Not to get all Carl Sagan on you. I don't know who that is, but okay. You didn't have a childhood. I mean, we would discuss that. You didn't fall asleep in front of the television. <laughs> I mean, I did with other things, <laughs> non-educational things, apparently. Um, so most of what I'm going to talk about is kind of known as the forerunner history or the Forerunner Saga, even, uh, in a series of books that was written by Greg Bear, mostly, but there's other uh, side media that discussed this story. But if you don't, I mean, so Halo, when we talk about Halo, yes, is the video games, because that's what started everything. Yeah. Um, but essentially what Bungie, the creators, did was they had explanations for why everything existed, even if they didn't talk about it in the games. Mm -hmm. why what the halo was all of this stuff they talked like they had story for Mm -hmm. um and eventually that story just came out um they started to tell that story through uh you know uh books and and other outside media but again gamers don't read so (laughs) most most people just know the presented video game story you look like you're gonna say something (laughs) <laughs> I was just going to point out the fact that I was, I was uh, North Carolina educated. I can't read. Yes, that's a, way, a good way to insult an entire state. <laughs> I'm from North Carolina, all right? Um, so, but in going chronologically, um, to understand what sets up some of the events that happen, uh, again, we're going about a, a f- several billion. Uh, in one point, they basically quote it as a hundred billion years but earth is supposedly only 13 billion years old and i say supposedly because carbon dating is still not necessarily trustworthy you can fight me on that one i don't care excuse but, me jesus created the world in 2000 <laughs> like years ago yes it's 2020 right? uh, don't, I think I know how don't worry the bible will get mentioned a few times but um <laughs> no essentially at the beginning of the universe is where the story of halo 
begins, uh, and it's not with Master Chief or anything like that, but with a very highly intelligent species. And so uh, join me in a super lore-heavy, science-heavy, word babbly <laughs> lore discussion uh, as we discuss the origins of Halo. So to understand the story of Halo beyond that of fun and pretty games, you have to travel back in time, billions of years. At one point, a species later called and known as the Precursors had evolved far beyond any conventional understanding as we have today, and they came to the Milky Way and created exponentially complex things and even simple things like biological life. Do we owe all of life to them? possibly who knows a lot of their history has been lost to time but because of the precursors heightened understanding and practice of what came to be called neural physics they were able to bend and tamper with the galaxy in unimaginable ways neural physics is essentially the science and belief that everything is alive and connected in the known universe and by understanding and manipulating that many creations could exist that were something like that out of your imaginations all the while that they created, they also stored all of their knowledge in the domain. The domain was a blended database of spirit and technology that had everything forever that was accessible to those who transcended because of their understanding and practice of neural physics. But knowledge added further and further from the origin point became more foggy, and as more knowledge was added, more disappeared. Thus, the more that was known, the less was remembered. Because they were so advanced, they believed it was their responsibility to uphold the galaxy, and they eventually uh, expected to pass this mantle to one of their creations. The two greatest of these creations being the Forerunners and the humans. The humans were just humans, although more advanced than we are even now in 2020, but for the Forerunners, they were the assistants to, and therefore the closest to, the Precursors. And for a long time, they were the heir to the mantle of responsibility. But for one reason or another that has been lost to time, the Forerunners were judged unworthy by the Precursors and were planned to be wiped out and likely taken back to creation in order to start over and try again. And in the meantime, the mantle would have passed to the humans. But the Forerunners learned this and they struck first, wiping out their creators and stealing the mantle of responsibility for themselves. So it's a lot like the engineers from Prometheus. Uh, actually pretty similar in terms of, you know, in that intro where he drinks the liquid that basically breaks down his molecular structure and by breaking down, you then can create and mm -hmm. eventually like David bastardizes that to create the xenomorphs. Yeah. Neural physics is essentially that by understanding that everything is alive from dust to meteors to light, like, and when literally everything you can then coerce it to interact with other living things and create living things. So they would create things that were technology, but more than that somehow. Neurophysics is hard to really get a complete grasp on because it is very in the realms of science fiction, although it might sound pretty realistic. The thing that the fact that everything is alive, like we would believe that about plants and mm -hmm. uh, algae and coral, because although they're cool. arguably physical and um, seemingly environmental, they are alive. 
-hmm. Venus flytraps are a great example. Sunflowers are a great example uh, and the sort. And so we would think that about those things, but not necessarily about sand or rocks, but precursors believed everything was alive. And if they believed that and uh, transcended to a point, they could manipulate that. Yeah. And what they created out of manipulating living matter like that uh, was near indestructible, um, transcended material, essentially. So just like they were transcended because of their understanding, what they created was transcended. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now certain things were more naturally, um, like if you believe in Darwinism, we believe, you know, like, okay, then humans evolved from this and that. Yeah. That's not neurophysics. That's just evolution. Um, neurophysics would be actually creating through tampering. Anything created by that, I mean, would be essentially indestructible, but also because the, mainly the reason it was indestructible is because you couldn't understand it. If that makes sense. Like, why can't I break this glass that they made? Well, because you don't understand it. It, Again, it's really sci-fi, but it's It's incredibly sci-fi. Yeah. And it, in reality, it makes it a lot more plausible uh, for later concepts like the Spartans, like, you know, superhuman people. I mean, essentially what you see is this God complex amongst characters. Throughout the story of Halo, that's always present. From the precursors creating and manipulating life mm-hmm. to the forerunners that have stolen the mantle, then doing the same thing. And now you've got humans billions of years later tampering with life because we we need to be stronger. We need to be faster. We need to be able to combat anything that comes against us. And so it's this interesting thread that runs throughout all of nature, whether transcendent being or human being to want to take hold of uh, and manipulate life just because you can, because you understand it more than somebody else does. And that is a concept that I think is very prevalent in sci-fi is the manipulation of everything yeah (laughs) like for once for one thing to you know create hyper beings if you want to call them that or manipulating the flow of time everything is manipulatable everything is moldable so with that belief then you can make things better or you can make them worse well and essentially that's a a perspective on what neural physics is Uh um by believing that everything is connected. I mean, I'm not saying that the scientists just believe because I believe lamp is alive. It's a lot like, I no, it, it is more than that, but basically by it, it's more of a transcended intelligence to be able to see and understand that everything is alive mm-hmm. because you can do that. Then all of a sudden space fair is possible. Uh, what they call hyperspace in halo being slipstream space. Uh, attaining that, using that mm-hmm. as a form of travel and life uh, is completely possible. And we'll talk about what elements of that exist in, uh, later. But yeah, so I mean, really, it's similar, like you said, to Prometheus in the aspect of, you know, taking what would believe to be religion, okay, God created all of this stuff and everything like that. Okay, but in, in you know, in the universe of Halo, those gods were just creatures, they just were more intelligent, they were yeah. transcended. Uh, and they were able to create and manipulate life because of their transcendence. Um, so elements of uh, very sci-fi heavy you oh, know, yeah. biblical creation are, are present. 
I was thinking about that a second ago where people are usually used to us being very, you know, goofy and here's this concept that we like from a thing that we like. They're getting like deep lore sci-fi nerd. Oh yeah. Megan and and every- John today. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And, and again, and everything I'm doing is basically just filtering down a whole bunch of stuff yeah. as simply as I can. The, I would recommend many books. I would not normally recommend the Forerunner Saga of books. Um, that's where most of this history is coming from, is this series of books by Greg Barrett. But it's so hard. <laughs> it's 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 deep sci-fi. Yeah, dude. It's, it's really like hard. I mean, even the, even the names are tough. Like, names of Forerunners is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they're not people. They're not people names. Like... Um, I, I, I don't remember the full name, but one of them is like born stellar, but it's like, it's more statements. Um, like, uh, oh gosh. So, a, a very close to the forerunners creation, um, that eventually comes back later in Halo lore is the engineers, um, or the hook rock, uh, where they're basically like floaty salamander squids, uh, that are telepathic. Uh, and they're one of the few that understand Forerunner technology. Oh, those guys. Okay. Um, and there's one that's like named, I want to say like lighter than most or something like that. Like all of their names are gaseous based. Uh, yeah. Like, and, and Forerunners are very similar in, um, their, their names are statements. They're, uh, they're meaningful. They're not identifiers, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so, uh, that's the beginnings of the Halo universe. Um, and so the Forerunners, that, that's what, uh, they're known by, uh, they don't have exactly a species name, um, but at this point, billions of years ago, humans on the level of Star Wars level of technology existed, mm-hmm. uh, is another significant thing. But how is that possible considering most Halo lore, once you get to Earth years and, and calendar, is pretty normal. Like, World War II happened in Halo. Like, everything pretty much happens in Halo because the significant stories start to take place around 2525. So it's reasonable. Yeah, we're, we're getting close, We're five years dude. away, dude. Um, and it's pretty fairly realistic other than the yeah. concept of space colonization. But a lot of what's going on for humans is very yeah. relatable. You know what? I didn't get my hoverboard. I want my money back. <laughs> well, there's none in Halo either. Um, so, really far, though. Uh, to bridge the gap from billions of years ago, science-heavy humans to what we know now, we have a lot of ground to cover, uh, mostly centered around the foreigner. So again, it has little to do with Chief because it's billions of years ago. The main characters of our Halo history are the forerunners. Mm-hmm. So thus the Forerunner reign began, and after millions of years of caring for the galaxy and advancing themselves in their power, they'd actually forgotten how they got this power to begin with. Much like the Domain, losing details of past knowledge with every new piece added, the Forerunners had moved so far from the point that they, uh, point of origin that they believed they rightfully inherited the mantle, and that the Precursors meant for them to have it uh, before peacefully disappearing and leaving the galaxy in their hands. This sort of pious belief led them to look down on the humans especially, and much of their expansion and advancement was done to ensure the mantle would remain theirs. Meanwhile, the humans long held that there was something fishy about the Forerunner's history and the mantle. 
Nevertheless, the species of the universe, including humans and forerunners, simply went about life as much as it was during that time. So the forerunners literally believed they were justified in being the caretakers of, and that's all that the mantle of responsibility is. It's not a tangible thing. It's literally this right. We we being so advanced are responsible, like you as the parent are responsible for the child because you're more advanced than the child. Basically, they look at the whole galaxy like that. The forerunners have this built-in deity complex of we're the best, so we're in charge. Yeah, I was going to ask, Is the I was thinking when you said the mantle of responsibility, is it like the matrix of leadership? Like you answered that question. No, it's, it's not nearly as physical, although some believe it to be physical. Uh, it's yeah. literally just this charge of caretaking the galaxy. Um, and, and that's not, you know, arguably what the precursors even did with manipulating the galaxy is not... Mm-hmm true to the mantle itself but what you see a lot of stuff play out closer to the game lore is centered around this mantle this mantle of responsibility to take care of the galaxy Uh and it's about the perspective on what taking care of the galaxy looks like that's what's super important to the halo universe is that perspective what does caretaking look like for the foreigners it looks like merely policing it and making sure that everyone knows you're in charge and you know, you only build up your success. I mean, even really, they're not even helping other species. They're not uh, advancing other species. They're only advancing themselves. So yeah. are they really being that responsible? That's like having a kid and neglecting them. Well, what kind of knickknacks would you put on top of the mantle of responsibility? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's interesting when it's first introduced because it does sound very much, I mean, the matrix of leadership is a pretty good example of it's this idea of that's what makes you like literally in transformers to have that is to be the prime, to be in charge. And someone fumbles it at some point, don't they? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) which movie was that? Was that 1983? Yes. Okay. Um, but in this case, it's, more so what you do with what you've been given yes you're advanced but what are you doing with it are you helping people are you serving the galaxy's greater good or are you lording it over is it about your power it's like being the king of a country if you're not you you can be the king it's very easy to be the king it's very easy to rule a monarchy but what are you doing yeah well and and a lot of this just came from this belief that they had of well we're chosen we have this responsibility we have to take care i mean look at those poor meatbag humans like you know what are they going to do without us you know making sure that the galaxy's safe like yeah it you might not intentionally hate the humans although some forerunners do but it's this idea of by simply looking down on the rest of them again you're going against Mm -hmm. the mantle you hold because it's just like this stupid kid why can't you just do stuff why can't you just take your why are you bothering me go go make your ramen i'm watching my like it's this troublesome, like, no, you might not beat him. You might not call him stupid, but basically by the way you distance and look down and don't take care of them, yeah, you are basically. And I think a parent is very, it, that's a very good um, example for that. Cause like for a lot of people, being a parent comes naturally. No, having kids comes naturally. Being mm-hmm. a parent is something completely different. Sure. Yeah. Everybody can have kids, but should you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and that's part of the thing is that's arguably, again, 
We don't know why the precursors decided um, that's something lost to the domain, which, and the domain's a great example, again, much like neural physics of understanding in Halo, technology is never just technology. Mm-hmm. The more advanced technology is, it's more than tech. The domain is, it's, it's kind of like trying to understand the Trinity. The domain is a thing. It's a, it, not, it's a concept. not a person. It's a concept. It's a plane of existence. It's a, it's an entity. Uh, it's, that's it's, what I'm saying. It's it's like trying to understand the Trinity, dude. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a great example of like, so it's not a USB. It's not a Kindle, <laughs> but it's also not Alexa or Siri. It, But everything is held within it. So, um, but in the domain, all history exists. Everything that has ever been exists because of the domain. So everything from the beginning of time exists and is uh, recorded in the domain. But for whatever reason, it might have been in there, but we've moved so far from when it happened that we don't know why the precursors thought the forerunners deserved to be uh, devolved. But based on how they rule once they have the mantle of responsibility, Mm -hmm. you can kind of start to pick up on maybe why they weren't the best to be left in charge because they had this god complex. Makes sense. So the humans expanded as much as they were allowed and eventually happened upon and settled on a capital world full of ancient precursor structures and ships. These sorts of living structures that were created by neural physics could not be broken down by conventional means like time and erosion. They existed beyond such things and were transcended. So obviously transcended things needed to destroy them, which... Neither the forerunners or the humans were advanced enough to have. They were manipulated into being by the precursors and thus stronger than any other material that existed or conventionally created. So rocks were conventionally created. As we mentioned, humans, if you believe in evolution, were uh, naturally created. Therefore, they could be burned and shot and obliterated. They could be Mm -hmm. destroyed and be deconstructed by, by other conventional creations like bullets and other weapons with transcended technology like uh, what were known as star roads, which were basically these filaments that the precursors used for travel. So at one point there was just these literal physical roads of travel throughout the galaxy. Uh, They were not able to just be smashed by meteors or they would never age and degrade because they were transcended. They were above such things. Mm -hmm. So it was because of these things uh, and their existence that the humans wondered who made them and why the forerunners who seemed responsible for everything couldn't control or use them or destroy them. If they belonged to someone greater than the forerunners, then who and where were they? It was this distrust that helped breed hatred between the two creations. It was in exploring these left-behind structures, too, that existed a powder-like substance that the humans studied. It was simple and biological, but yet not alive. But when tested on live specimen, it seemed sterile, except in rare cases amongst animals where it was actually, it would improve their life and vitality. So the humans just introduced it widespread and made use of it for hundreds of years even. But eventually the use started to show signs of an almost rabid and decaying result. This would spread from one infected to another and slowly started to ravage human life. And it became known as the flood. I know that one. Yeah. So 
anyone who's familiar with Halo lore would start. Now it starts to sound familiar. Yeah. Okay, the Flood. This is actually a common enemy uh, in Halo. Uh, in fact, you could almost mistake Halo 1 and 3 for zombie games because at one point in the story, basically these life-eating, zombifying creatures come into play and no longer are you fighting aliens, but now you're fighting space zombies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it starts to shift a little different than the normal sci-fi story. Yeah. And so the Flood have existed for, as we see, millions of years uh, in the past. And this is something that you've told me in person before. Like there was a time where, like many things, I just wanted to hear you talk about something. And so I asked, hey, uh, what's a halo? Yeah. Or something like that, because that's how we communicate in our relationship. Right. Tell me a thing. Tell, Tell me, me the song thing. of your people. And I, I have visual aids, by the way. John has dug out his little... <laughs> just to make sure you keep interest with my boring, yeah. long-winded conversation. Oh, I am very interested. If I'm quiet during, you know, the talkie bits, that's because I'm listening. <laughs> sure. Well, as long as one person's interested, yeah. that's all I need. And because I don't want to interrupt you. You're talking about something that you're passionate about. Well, thank you. Yeah. In general, just find something, you know, like let people talk about things they love. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the one talking, but, you know, eventually you'll find somebody that likes hearing you talk about it, which for us yeah. is both of us. I like Because uh, I love hearing it. you talk about stuff too. Hey, you know... Have you ever heard about Heartless? <laughs> Do you want to know what a Heartless is? Don't, don't ask. Um, <laughs> so in their pursuit of answers about the Flood, they discovered a creature that had been locked away in precursor containment and thus had been stored for millions of years. This creature itself was a precursor, and it was known by the name Primordial, the last precursor. And it turns out that the Flood was the final instrument of revenge by the Precursors because it was the Precursors. At least it used to be. The dust was created by the Precursors dissolving their own physical forms, and uh, it was sort of a reverse of neural physics. What was left slowly became corrupted and consumed life itself. The humans resisted but ultimately could only flee from the Flood because as long as life existed, so did the Flood. In one great act against the Flood, the humans destroyed a civilization belonging to the Forerunners. That had been overtaken by the Flood, something that would be normally, uh, hey, thanks, man, good looking out. But many people died. Essentially, it's aliens' rules, man. You take off, nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Mm -hmm. So the Forerunners were led by a being known as the Didact, the ultimate warrior and one of the most, uh, one who hated the humans the most. He deemed them unworthy and declared war. And after nearly 50 years of war with the humans, the Didact and Forerunner Council eventually judged them and punished them for their resistance and affront to the mantle. And they devolved them. They put them back to the beginning of creation to give them a second chance and a form of penance. The same fate that almost befell the Forerunners millions of years ago. And also the Goombas in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Really? Yeah, that's the whole point, is they're being devolved. That's what makes the Goombas. Oh, that's cool looking. What is that? That's the Didact. Oh, hi, Didact. Yes. So you have to find your own visual aids. I'm, I'm, as, again, I'm just trying to keep her interested. Um, <laughs> I'm very easily distracted. Um, so, yeah. So basically, the Flood shows up and 
what we'll come to find out is it purposely drove the humans to war with the forerunners because basically the precursors which the flood are a very devolved and uh unsentient i guess is a word uh version of the precursors but they are essentially Mm -hmm. one in the same and so the ultimate goal in all of this was to basically destroy and by destroying being able to recreate because if the flood took over all life and um assimilated all life which is more appropriately what it is it doesn't eat life it doesn't eat people it it hosts them it assimilates them and like the borg if everything is borg everything's happy everything is good because borg is best if everything is flood then all of a sudden everything is united there's no more war there's no more conflict there's no more trouble for the mantle of responsibility because all of a sudden there's only the flood and that's essentially the goal of the flood um while it's not sentient and smart it just acts on that it seeks to only create more flood and seeks to be the only thing that exists you dab (laughs) i'm playing with the toy now i'm sorry (laughs) It was once the humans were out of the way that the flood struck the forerunners and they learned the truth that began the war long ago. Once the humans met the forerunners and war began, the flood backed off, but it had now returned stronger than ever. But it was too late to do any good and it became flood versus forerunner. This led to a disagreement on how to handle the enemy, especially after the flood was aided by the primordial. He's still around, by the way. Cool. Back when the Forerunners decided a massive galaxy-spanning weapon was necessary to kill the Flood, they tested it out over the world where the Primordial was contained. It was then that the Forerunners learned the truth of the weapon they'd created. See, it didn't destroy life. It was disrupting neural physics. The structures, weapons, and even the domain existed on such science, and if the weapon was used, would be susceptible to destruction. So the Halos is what we're talking about now. Here comes the namesake, Halo. The Halo Array is basically the Halo universe's Death Star, except it's Mm galaxy-wide. And essentially the science is... Now, and this is where lores start to split. Basically, you start to get into Bungie lore versus 343. So in real-world circumstances, Halo was originally made the first three games, including a couple of spinoffs, by Bungie. That's the original creator company. That's the parent company and everything. Eventually, though, Microsoft wanted to keep making games and Bungie was done with Halo. So they gave their child uh, company, 343 Industries, the project. Mm -hmm. Since, I want to say 2014, uh, Halo has been a product of 343. So Halo 4, 5, uh, and the upcoming Halo Infinite. And also all extra media, all the books, including the Forerunner Saga, were created post-sale. So once 343 took over, mm-hmm. that's when some lore started to change. Originally, the story was actually much simpler in the foundings of Halo. The simple fact was the Forerunners existed. They were the original, all-powerful creation, and eventually the Flood just showed up. Somehow the Flood had always existed, and it overtook them. The only way for the Forerunners to destroy it was to create the Halos. They fired the Halos, and... They couldn't destroy the flood, but they could destroy all life. Mm-hmm. And by destroying all life, they destroyed all food. Um, that's the difference is depending on what lore source you go to, life is either food or, again, it's assimilation. Um, with this so with this bit of lore, and, and I'm one of those with, I, I am a 
a purist in that what exists now is lore. So it's yeah. the canon. So I'm not one that stops. Oh, 343 made bad stuff. So I'm not like, I, I believe in their lore as the lore. Um, but you can believe in just Bungie canon. But in this new lore, it goes further. It's not just destroying all life except the flood. It's not destroying their food. It It's even greater than that somehow. Like it destroys life in the molecular level of its sentience. Mm-hmm. By destroying sentience, they can also destroy what the precursors create. So again, by that science that they believe in, neurophysics, that everything is alive, that means the things that they've made, the star roads that we talked about, the technology, all of that is sentient. Mm -hmm. So if the halos destroy sentience, it destroys humans, forerunners, and neurophysics, essentially. So the rub basically is they could not agree, wait, so if we fire this, then it will destroy life which we can protect ourselves, we don't care, but it'll destroy all of this technology that we have from the precursors that we want to, we want to control. We want to eventually figure out how to use and, and, you know, keep. So it becomes a conflict of, do we destroy everything for the sake of saving everything? Or do we look out for our best interests? Mm -hmm. Well, this is where a big fork in the road came, especially uh, between the didact and his people, but more especially the didact and his wife. They do have concepts such as marriage and children and all that stuff. Uh, the Didact's children had actually been killed during the war with the humans. And so that's arguably why he was so harsh towards the humans. Oh, Uh Yeah. He, like, I, I had to simplify it for the sake of the story, but the Didact has a very sad story. And it's easy to make him the bad guy. But in reality, he's almost justifiable. You can see why he was driven to the means that he took. You can try to act. Even if they were a little extreme. I'm just making so does that, myself does laugh. The, does the halo, does that make a little bit more sense? Yes. So the halos destroy sentience. Unless mm-hmm. you subscribe to old lore where it just destroys life. And also. Two different things. Something before that I didn't want to interrupt you to say, but the bungee cannon just sounds like something fun. <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds like something <laughs> at a circus. I would love to ride on the bungee cannon, but not really. So there's a split between the didact and his people, and especially his wife. The didact, the leader of the people, wanted to preserve all of this technology that had been left by the precursors and built shield worlds that could protect the forerunners and whoever they deem worthy, essentially, and could prove to contain the flood since firing the superweapons would not destroy the flood, but rather the matter and uh, technology that he wanted to save. Mm Mm-hmm. His wife and many others believed that sacrifice was necessary so to save what they could, and so the super weapon was the only way to go. In an attempt to prove his way best, though, and to prove that there was a way to fight the flood rather than destroy life, the didact used a device known as the composer that took biological sentience and turned it into artificial intelligence and planted it in a cybernetic armature. Oh. effectively turning an individual into an AI drone that would mean they were immune to the flood. Okay. He composed thousands of forerunner warriors with or without consent. Not entirely sure. Definitely composed humans without consent, though, uh-huh. uh, be, uh, creating an effective anti-flood army known as the Prometheans. This was the final straw, and for his affront to the mantle, his wife and the foreigners had the didact imprisoned in one of his own shield worlds called Requiem. Didact. <laughs> so shield worlds, um, 
I, I feel like I'll, I will explain later, but for the sake of understanding it and not just brushing by, this was the concept of an artificial world. It was a world within a world um, that revolved around a Dyson sphere, a Dyson sphere basically being an artificially created miniature star. Mm-hmm. So you could cre- like imagine an eco lab or imagine a fish tank. That's a terrarium. Yeah, essentially a very highly advanced terrarium. So basically a shield where the outer uh, world, it could literally look like a world or it could look like literally like a metallic ball, uh, but it was just the exterior. There were levels deep within and some huge, like, I mean, level upon level upon level and some literally just there's the outer level and then the inner level. But the secret to all shield worlds were that deep inside there was no core but rather a portal. The real science of a shield world was that once you reached that portal, you stepped into slipstream space. This other plane of transportation that existed to where essentially you would step through and no longer be in the core of the planet, but be somewhere else entirely. Mm-hmm. Were you still uh, on, did that mean you were still on the planet? Sort of, because technically you were in that portal this is where halo science gets really interesting so for instance on one world called onyx um the slip space core is probably a few centimeters all together and yet inside was this maybe twice the size of earth space there was a world inside of this little sphere when you step through the portal you were in the sphere therefore still on onyx but yet you were on this whole other planet it's interesting science. So imagine the TARDIS, basically. Okay. Bigger there, on the inside technology. There you go. Okay. Um, and so the the didact essentially believed that, okay, because these worlds are within worlds and are uh, separated by a portal, it's like a bunker within a bunker within a bunker. If we went there, we would be safe. And if we kept the flood there, they couldn't get out and get to anything outside of that world. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way of containment and protection. Sounds like a great plan. How did it go wrong? Well, because they basically just didn't trust that it was the way, like, like, could that really completely contain them? Everything they've seen about the flood is there was no stopping it. And something I didn't mention or kind of brushed by is, again, they were being helped by the primordial, a precursor who could control precursor technology, including star roads and certain things. He was literally using the star filaments that I talked about earlier, like literal roads in space, and was using them to fling planets around and destroy fleets of ships. This is kind of power that the Forerunners could not control or defend against. So basically the Forerunners are like, dude, can we, <laughs> like, is that really gonna work? I mean, we're fighting someone that controls things we can't imagine. I think the best way to go is to destroy it all. Mm-hmm. And that was the conflict. And so. Again, at, like out of a, no, I'm telling you, this could work. He basically took millions of people, uh, foreigner and a human alike, and turned them into robots, turned them into cyborgs, essentially. Um, so, like, they come into play in, like, later Halo games, like Halo 4 and on. But Promethean Warriors are basically, they look like robots. But, like, and this is going to blow your mind if you didn't know this, by the way. When you're killing those in Halo games, you're killing who they were they might not remember who they were but the knights that exist only exist because they once were people 
That's sad. Yeah. Like, and what's even worse is when they, like, when they get, like, really rampant, as they call it, or basically when they freak out because you're killing them. Although, to be fair, they try to kill you too. They open their carapace and inside is a skull. Inside is a human skull. Oh, those guys. Yeah. It's okay. bad. You're going to hear that a lot in in these episodes is, <laughs> oh, I know what that is. Yeah. So, like, they make it out to be this oh, whole... No. Oh, Rar, I'm I'm scaring you. I'm bad guy. But in, no, that's evidence that they were once alive. That's really sad. Again, they might not remember who they were. And I'm not saying that when you kill a knight, you kill Joe Bob. But I am saying technically whether they were like, if Joe Bob doesn't remember Joe Bob was Joe Bob, but you still kill Joe Bob, does Joe Bob care? It's a moral, it's a moral conundrum. It's a trolley problem. But you as Master Chief in Halo 4 and 5 kill so many Prometheans, it's so horrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> sad. yeah. So, and that's why they were basically like, dude, mantle of responsibility. You are That was not responsible. <laughs> and so that's why they basically, now, uh, technically, I, again, something I brushed past. Technically, the librarian, his wife, tells uh, the council he's dead. They believe he's dead. She's the one that locked him away in a tomb, basically, on Requiem. Because mm-hmm. she just couldn't bring herself to kill him. I mean, she could let him fraud act. I'm sorry, I'm running out of puns. Keeping him imprisoned was difficult, though, and at some point he was freed and imparted an impression of his consciousness on a different forerunner. This became the Isodidact, who would go on to lead the forerunners until the end. Meanwhile, the now Ur-Didact was re-imprisoned, and it was then that the Isodidact found and killed the Primordial after learning that it had corrupted the Forerunner's greatest AI, Mendicant Bias. The Primordial simply told the AI the, the truth and let it choose, and it chose to believe that the Forerunners were unworthy and assisted the Primordial and the Flood. It was when the Primordial was killed that his consciousness released and was taken in by the Gravemind a mass created as a hive mind controller of the flood that lacked any sentience and life, but now had life because of the primordial. With the intelligence of the primordial and the power of the flood, the grave mind was too dangerous to be left alive, and the halo array was the only option. The forerunners left, led by the didact's wife, the librarian, began to finally act responsibly with the mantle and prior to firing the array, collected samples of all sentient life to be protected from the effects of the halo ray by being brought to installation 00 or the Ark. The Ark was a safe haven, but also a place that the halo arrays were made. And to be protected from their effects, the Ark was well outside of the firing range. Anyone on the Ark was safe from the flood. Mm-hmm. Before firing the array, Mendicant Bias was recovered and tried for its crimes, and the Isodidact had him stowed away on the Ark with the task of forever contemplating one concept, atonement. The Isodidact, early in his life, had befriended a human that accompanied him on many missions. His name was Chakas. He was injured during the war, and the Isodidact saved Chakas by composing him and placing him in a monitor charged with caretaking one of the halos, in fact, the first halo to begin the firing sequence. And before leaving Chakas, Isodidact gave him a new name, 343 Guilty Spark. And thus the Forerunners left, retreated to the Ark, and fired the halo ray. Everything not on the Ark was obliterated, and thus the Flood had no sustenance and was killed. The Isodidact and the remaining few took the task of restoring the domain, or really rebooting it, since 
firing the array didn't actually destroy all of its existence, though it would take hundreds of thousands of years for the domain to rebuild itself. The remaining forerunners retreated, vowing not to meddle any more and effectively leaving the mantle of responsibility up for grabs. Eventually, forerunner ships made their way to the with the saved specimens to the worlds throughout the galaxy, and life began anew yet again. Which explains the re-evolution of everything. Yeah. Jeez Louise, this is lore heavy. I mean, well, and if anything, like, it's where we somehow, although I don't know how in the Halo universe humans would have come to this, but it's how you could believe in the flood and the ark, the story yeah. of Noah, like, the flood that overtook everything, the ark that saved everybody. The yeah. reason we exist is because of the ark. Like, certain things like that, uh, twisting real lore, or if you believe it's real, uh, into science fiction of a sort of yes an arc but not quite noah mm -hmm. and so forth and so on it's like that movie uh oh sky captain in the world of tomorrow do you remember that one no nope, never seen it there is an arc okay sorry yeah well i, I mean essentially that. that's the idea of the flood in you know everything why was it named that i don't know not necessarily uh, the creators yeah. named it such that way like obviously in universe they weren't like oh we, let's call it the flood because then we can make something called the ark and save ourselves like obviously they wouldn't be in on the joke yeah but the creators had that sort of commentary in mind of I, I don't know that they necessarily started with what if the flood wasn't the flood and what if the ark wasn't the ark and what if god wasn't god but eventually those yeah. kind of concepts leaked in clearly and god became the primordials and the ark became installation zero zero and the flood became not water, but just an all-consuming, life-eating substance. Wow. Yep. Sorry, I can't figure out how to put into words how I'm feeling about... You remember that scene in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at the very end where she asks for the, the knowledge? Oh, yeah, and then she's exploded. And then she just, her brain explodes and her eyes go all yeah. fiery. That's how I feel right now. I feel like I've been given all of Halo knowledge and we're not even done no, yet. No, yeah, no, this is serious. This is just the foundation. This is where then yeah. Halo lore begins. Because again, if you attribute Halo lore to what's closest to the games, then lore for you would be more closely to what is the covenant where did they come from why do they hate the humans and what is the deal because one side says the halos transcend one side has, says the halos obliterate what's true yeah and so as you get closer to game lore more familiar things like that start to play in but in order to get there you have to get the foundations of the entire galaxy uh and yeah essentially this is what jump-started history as we know it. Um, you know, if you imagine yourself in the Halo universe, everything you know about history begins at creation like that, you know, whether you believe in, you know, God or believe in Darwinism, at one point or another, life was created and began, and we've been existing ever since. Mm -hmm. But prior to that was this whole universe of lore, um, all about basically fighting over responsibility for the galaxy. Mm -hmm. And then getting it and not being responsible with it. <laughs> you want the power of responsibility, but not the choices that come with it, essentially. Man, I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah, thing is actually. everybody wants to be responsible until they have to be. And then you realize, oh, no. Nah, yeah, that's busy. 
Everybody wants to rule the world. And so um, there were foreigners that survived, but eventually just, uh, again, died off. So Isodidact, his original name was Bornsteller. And essentially after the war, he yeah. left behind the, the title and consciousness of the didact. He basically decided he didn't need it anymore and returned to himself. He was like, I'm done and I don't want to mess with life anymore and went and lived happily ever after. There I was am even... a strong, independent didact, and <laughs> yeah. I don't need no didact. Um, and uh, along with his human friend, Chalkis, um, uh, he had a friend named Riser, uh, and they actually share a really interesting moment that comes into play much later, where they're just kind of looking over everything. Um, you know, they know that life has been stored away, and uh, and the only reason Chalkis and Riser were saved is because they were friends with the didact, essentially. Like, yeah. they... They survived, the like, yeah, it's not really a loophole. It basically, the didact was like, you can basically go into stasis, like, because essentially they stored everything, not literally like Noah did, but like by specimen, like they froze people, uh, they froze things and basically then re-released them and let them con like consummate, like Adam and Eve, like it started with a small amount and then grew from there kind of style mm -hmm. again you start to see weird biblical themes but i do see weird anyway, biblical themes so it was like hey you could basically be stored and start over later or you could come with me and they uh went with him obviously chakas was turned into a caretaker for one of the halos installation zero four um and uh it was the first halo to fire uh which is why some theorize his name is guilty spark it's the guilt of being the first one to light the fire because before leaving his friend um, which also, there's an interesting moral mirror because the Ur didact, the original didact, used the composer to uh, unconsensually take life and make AIs. Whereas the isodidact gave, asked for consent, like, do you want to continue to live? Because you can't live this way, but I can save you. But you won't be you anymore. You'll be an AI. Um, and he chose to, like, it, it's two people with the same identity per se making two different decisions uh but anyway so before he left his friend chakas um recently renamed uh, guilty spark he asked him if you were in my shoes would you fire and chakas couldn't answer and so it's believed that that's why he named him guilty spark in terms of he was imparting his own guilt on chakas in terms of he didn't want to do this but they were led with no choice so that's one meaningful moment. Uh, fast forward, Halo Razor fired, everything's done, and then it's just uh, Born Stellar, Isodidact, and Riser, and they're looking over what they little they have saved, L literally little. Like many forerunners died, um, along with anything else that wasn't saved. Maybe a couple Bothans. <laughs> yeah, definitely Bothans. Um, and they're just contemplating. They're just like, you know, what will you do now? You know, what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. um, and they end hopeful and uh riser actually says you know I, I wonder what like our children and obviously not talking about direct children he's talking about like abram children like generation yeah. after generation hundreds of thousands of years from now i i wonder if our children can meet and be friends uh and uh born Steller just has one word for that and he just says hope um, nice. it's a lot of really good, meaningful moments, uh, interspersed with so much sci-fi heavy stuff and everything, but essentially that's what's left is they saved the galaxy by storing it away and then obliterating everything else and then giving it a chance to start over. 
So everything that happens after this, what starts to pick up in Halo lore is what species and people do with their chance they've been given. How the covenant is formed, what the military of humanity does in its expansion. Every decision is made after being given a chance they didn't know they had. They think this is the one and only chance when in reality, this is their second chance. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really interesting to have that in the back of your mind as all of this is going on and knowing where all the foundations come from, you know what the characters don't. And so all of their decisions, you're just like, oh my gosh, if you just knew what you were talking about. Uh, if you think back to the first Halo game, when we realize, wait, this isn't going to destroy the flood. This is going to destroy literally everything. Mm -hmm. uh, that basic realization, but thousands of times over, because literally every freaking character yeah. uh, eventually realizes, oh, it's not what I thought it was. Well, there's a there's a thought in, I don't remember what religion, but there is a religion that believes that this is not the first iteration of Earth. Mm -hmm. This is a recycling of Earth, basically, mm -hmm. to where every time humans mess up and we die, we are then reincarnated into our new selves. Like, there's a belief that the world ended in 2000. Mm -hmm. and we just started over okay i know i, I know sure yeah. i mean like so um i mean as a bit of a teaser for what's to come because now we're done with this week's lore bit uh mm -hmm. and essentially this is all again the huge pre-game lore this is what sets up everything else that comes into play for the halo universe um that is not too far off from the covenant the Covenant being a band of alien species that believe essentially in transcendence because of the Forerunners. And um, again, it's just interesting to see what they do with what they've been given. And uh, it's going to be interesting. It's a lot of interesting stuff. And there's even more to discuss before we ever get near the games, uh, including where does John come from, Master Chief? Okay. Um, how does the Flood even come back together? Uh, and why, again, the Covenant are anti-human like what in the world uh it's so much more um so we haven't even necessarily reached game lore yet but uh hopefully it was slightly interesting hopefully you'll be back next week um again if anything it's just good story so i do recommend the books again normally i don't recommend the foreigner saga just because they're hard reads like you have to be dedicated star wars <laughs> uh not star wars a uh, sci-fi fan to be able to digest it but yeah. if you can get through it it's so worth it because all of this uh, so much of this takes place in those books yeah uh and i have really really simplified it so uh if you are in any way more interested definitely check that out uh but we will chug along and continue in the timeline next week um and just continue to go again this is kind of just a chronological look at the halo universe because yeah. you can just play the games but to get the story it's so much more and so if i can get anybody to read a book a halo book because of this i like that's the win for me so yeah there you go yeah don't listen to brian david gilbert <laughs> no yes no, actually do though because he's funny but at the same time not for a literal yeah uh an example of of stuff he yeah, he, he does an even simpler version of things than I do. Yeah, this is a good enough summary of the Forerunner lore. Right. So uh, 
stay connected with us. Let us know what you thought. Let us know how much you hated all of this uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff. And if you have anything about Halo you want to tell us about, we would love to hear it, I especially. Um, and if any of you have actually read the books before, uh, that would even be interesting to know because I very rarely meet anyone that's read Halo books. So um, I'd say let us know if you want us to continue, but I kind of plan to continue anyway because I like doing this. Because uh, Halo, again, is something I really, really love, but not yeah. for the games. Or the lore. I'm enjoying myself so far. I like lore explorations in what I consume in general. Well, and, you know, it's a roundabout way to introduce Halo. Uh, Again, something you might have played the games and this might be new. Or you may have never heard of Halo and this is new. Uh, Again, it's just a way to generalize something I love uh, and hopefully transmit it to you and give you something new to love and whatnot. So, but thank you to our patrons, uh, Jim, Doug, and Rebecca. You guys pay for this for some reason, and we appreciate you so, 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 so much. And everybody that listens to the ads and puts up with that, thank you, because that also pays for the show. Um, thank you to our friends and supporters in Red 5 Network and Game Infinite. We highly recommend you check out both of those on Twitter and Instagram. They are great communities of people. Uh, better than us even so if you want better company um gooder company all that good stuff uh check them out for sure and yeah we'll be back with more halo history next week on ancient aliens i mean nerdy verse i just got a notification from wish i want to put this on the show that said what happened to tiktok what did happen to tiktok wait a minute wait a minute you know this is excuse me A damn fine cup of coffee.